0: Done. All right, now the rest of us, we are in the book of Revelation, not the scary part, okay? But we're, we're in the book of Revelation. We have been looking at the seven churches that Jesus dictated letters to at the beginning of the book. And uh, there's different interpretations as to what these letters are all about. Some, uh, there's just a lot of opinions here. I believe that Jesus included these letters, uh, not only to give a direct message to all that were uh, part of Asia Minor, which would be kind of modern-day Turkey, but I believe that all of these letters have a message for each and every one of us here today. And uh, this morning, we're going to take a look at the church in Sardis. I've entitled this message... The Walking Dead, but that's freaking something out right now. So I was going to do the Church of the Living Dead. That would have been interesting. I was going to do I see dead people. I was going to do that. I I decided I decided on the Walking Dead, and uh, you're going to see why I've titled this message this way when you see what Jesus had to say to this whole church. Okay, so. Without any further ado, if you're able to do so, why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's Word as we read this. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can follow on the screen. I've got all my scriptures there for you today. Here we go. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Who is that, by the way? That is Jesus, correct? So these are the words of Jesus to this particular church. He says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. See what I did there? Walking dead. Okay. I guess you're you're less impressed with it than I was, but let's keep going. He says, wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished. Be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Lord, I pray that the same words that were spoken literally from you 2,000 years ago would come alive to us now as we read it together. So let your spirit guide us, and may you impact us and move us closer to you, I pray. And Lord, I'll thank you for what's done. And it's in Jesus' name, and we all said amen. 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 You may be seated. The Walking Dead. So this city... Sardis, was a real interesting city whom Jesus is, uh, is addressing this letter to. And there were a couple of uh, points of interest in the city that I want to bring to your attention. First of all, there was what was called an Acropolis. Okay, and, and, and basically, those of you who... Uh, who can see that screen, it was very much a fortified city. I have to sneeze so bad and I'm not going to do it. Here we go. It was a very fortified city that protected it from uh, a lot of enemies. They, They were known for this. But there was also something else that they were known for. Not just the Acropolis, but the Necropolis. And this was a huge, very famous cemetery, one of the largest in all of Asia Minor. You know, what's interesting about these letters, when Jesus is talking to them, He really speaks to them in language that they very much can understand and observe and relate to. That's the power of God, by the way. Amen? power of the Word of God. And so Jesus is talking in, in these terms of death, and, and you've got a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. And, and how much would that ring true for a city that was known for its cemetery? Okay. Kind of a bummer, really. You know, we're known for the blimp. We're known for the soapbox derby. They were known for a cemetery. Oh, well. But Jesus said, now, here's the deal with you. And and again, he's writing to the church. I want you to be reminded, he's writing to the church. And he says, you've got a reputation for being alive. But in reality, you're dead. And I want to unpack that today. I want to unpack that thought. Uh, How in the world can a church full of people have a great reputation, but really on the inside, it's something else. So I'd like to take a look at four parts of this story real quick today. Four very important parts that I think could really, really help us understand what Jesus is saying here, okay? Uh, here's the first part that I want to unpack. Let's take a look at this church's reputation, okay? Jesus already said this. He said you got a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Take a look at verses 1 and 2 as we unpack their reputation. It says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Take a look again at the first part. He says, I know your deeds. In other words, he says, I know what you do. I know what you're all about. I know the stuff that you do, but here's who you are. Now some of you didn't get that. Jesus says, I know what you do. I'm not talking about the stuff that you do. I'm talking about the person that you are. How many of you know there's a difference between what I do and who I am? I could sing some great songs. I could preach some hopefully some good sermons, but if on the inside things are not right spiritually, then it doesn't really matter what I do if on the inside things aren't right. So Jesus looks at this whole church and he says, I know your deeds, I know your programs, I know your stuff. I know what you do from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. I know all that stuff. But here's the deal. You've got a reputation for being alive. You've got a reputation for doing a lot of good stuff, but you're dead. See, the reputation in the church did not line up with the reality in the church. Look at the words that I capitalized there. The reputation of the church did not line up with the reality of the church. Now, this is a lot more than an indictment against an organization, an an organized church in this city. What is the church? We are the church, correct? We make up the church. The church is people. It's not programs and preaching, it's people. This is the church. So when Jesus makes these statements, he's not just talking to an organization that meets you know, whenever they, they want to meet. He's talking to the individuals within that body. He's talking to the individuals within that church. And I believe that today, Jesus is speaking to the individuals of this church. And he is saying, your reputation And your reality need to be in sync. Dare I say, I've met some people who are really good at doing stuff. Churchy stuff. God stuff. And that's great. But away from the church, it's a whole different story. when they interact with the people whom they live around they are a totally different person than they might be within the walls of the church when they interact on social media yeah oh I don't you love Facebook courage I do man it's great it's great it's time for a passive-aggressive post about blah, 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 blah. it's like uh, it's not even bible maybe they're kind of huggy and kissy and and handshaky and and everything here but then they treat their wife and their family like garbage But well, there's no room for that. that. That's called having a reputation for being alive, but it don't matter how loud you sing or how well you teach or how many hands you shake or how many things that you set up and tear down for the church, if things aren't right on the inside, Jesus says, we we got to address that. Because your reputation has to line up with your, your reality. And I will tell you, church, Few things harm the witness of the church than somebody who can't get their reputation and their reality in sync together. And I know this because sometimes people come to me and say, oh, that guy goes to your church? You ever had that happen, folks? Now, not this crowd, because all of you are Perfect. But in 22 years, I've seen a lot. 22 years, I've seen some people that, that can really put on a good church show, but the reality of who they really are is anything but what they represent in the church. You know what? Maybe it's this. Maybe we are guilty sometimes of hanging on to some past victories that we haven't really tried to go after any new ones. Maybe we're holding on to how God did something in my life or in the church. Let's say twenty years ago. <laughs> you say, well, twenty-two of you, but but may, maybe twenty years ago, and you're still holding on to that. Well, I tell you what, I had this experience back in nineteen ninety, whatever. Okay, but how you doing now? I mean, you, you've got a reputation. Oh, you're the, you're the person that God touched or healed or saved 25 years ago. And that's awesome. But how are you doing now? How are you doing now? And I think a church, and I, I'm, I'm going to stumble onto this later, so forgive me, but I think a church has a danger of lulling itself into sleep when they hang on to their past victories and they don't strive for any new ones. That should have got a much better amen. Because this is a danger. So Jesus is looking at at apparently a church that was active. A church that was busy. People that were busy. He said, I know your deeds, but your reputation and your reality don't line up. That's their reputation. But before we go any further, let's, let's take a look at what they did right. Let's look at their dedication. We've seen their reputation, but now let's take a look at their dedication because, as is the pattern in these letters, Jesus says, here I am, this is who I, who I am, I'm Jesus, here's what you're doing right. Right? Okay, here's what you're doing wrong. Let's fix this. If you don't fix this, uh, if you do fix this, great. Er is actually in the Message Bible. I don't know if any of you knew that or not. It's, no, it's not. Uh, so let's take a look at the What did they do right? Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, You have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white. For they are worthy. Jesus had something good to say, I want you to hear this, to those who have been faithful. And Jesus looks at Bethel Church today, and those of you watching online, and he has something good to say to each of you who have been faithful to the Lord. It's at this time of the year that I look back and I love all of you. Some of you are new to us, some of you weren't even here last October, which is so cool that you're here. And then I look back and I see some of you that have hung with us for so long and how faithful you've been. And I just want you to know the Lord sees that and He wants to bless you and reward you for that. He really does. Some of you who were part of that pastoral search committee, uh, you're watching right now, or you're in here right now. And boy, we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot. And this pastor's made his share of mistakes. But one thing I've always tried to be is faithful. See, you can make your share of mistakes, but the key are you faithful? The Lord doesn't necessarily expect you to have a perfect performance every time you do something, but He does want you to be faithful. And He points this out to these folks here in this church in Sardis. And He says, there is a few of you, you, you've not compromised. You've not made any mistakes, and, and there is a reward coming for you. So I want you to know, to the ones that have been faithful to the Lord... You've been faithful to your church. You've been faithful to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You've been faithful in ministry. Whatever the case might be, God sees it. If nobody else sees it, the Lord sees it. And that's really the one that matters the most. And he will bless you for your faithfulness. There is something to be said about people that are faithful to the cause of Jesus Christ. John Wesley Once said this. He says, Give me 100 men who love nothing but God and hate nothing but sin, and I will shake the whole world for Christ. That's his yearbook picture, by the way, John Wesley. (laughs) one of our church fathers. He, he knew the value of faithfulness. I've learned the kind of people that I really want around me, and there, there's different qualities and traits that I appreciate maybe more than others, but, but first and foremost, the kind of people that I want around me are those that are faithful. They're faithful. Stay faithful when times are good, but you also stay faithful when times are bad. You are faithful when you're on the mountaintop. You're faithful when you're in the valley. Faithfulness. Jesus honors faithfulness. Maybe I could put it this way. Jesus sees your faithfulness, and he truly wants to bless you for it. I don't know what that blessing looks like, but God does. He knows exactly how to bless you so you stay faithful you stay faithful even if the pastor doesn't see it Jesus sees it if nobody claps I'm telling you Jesus is clapping for you if nobody else notices I can tell you that God notices be faithful if nobody else sees you praying for your loved ones and your pastor and your church God sees that be faithful Be faithful. What is done is secret. Jesus will reward openly. I truly believe that. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, Jesus gives some motivation to take care of this. He says, okay, your reputation and your reality do not line up, and so we need to address this. And I want to give you some motivation to do so. Jesus says, Here's what happens if you don't take care of it. And here's what happens if you do. And look at verse 5. It says this, our dedication. Here's what he says. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Now, what kind of motivation is that? That's pretty good. Jesus says, here's what happens, okay? First of all, there's a reprimand. There are consequences if you don't do what you're supposed to do. And, and, and what, I, what I get scared of is the fact that the 21st century church gets kind of good at living short of where they should be with Jesus and thinking that there's really no consequences for it. And there really are. In fact, if we're not careful, there could be some swift and unexpected judgment to the one who tries to cherish compromise in their life. I'm just getting real with you. We don't want to hear the mean stuff, Pastor. Tell us the good stuff. Tell me how I can be blessed. I like the blessing stuff. And that's good, but you cannot separate. Here's the deal. You cannot separate Jesus' mercy from his judgment. He's a merciful, loving God, but he's also a very just God as well. He's merciful and he's just. And how long, how long can we go cherishing and kind of holding on to things in our lives that just do not belong? Jesus says, take care of it now. Take care of it now. Folks, if the engine light is on in your car, that doesn't mean you got another 100,000 miles to go. You need to take care of that thing. You all understand? And it's probably the blinker fluid, from what I understand. That's what they tell me, right? If you ever want your car fixed, don't come to me, okay? I, I just, I have no clue. I can barely get gas in the thing, okay? But if the engine light comes on, that's a warning. Just like, don't, don't. Okay, Jesus is saying, hey, Sardis, hey, church, 21st century church, this is a warning. Take care of this. The warning light's on, the engine light's on. Don't don't go any further without dealing with this stuff. But there also is a reward, there's a reprimand, but there's a reward for somebody that'll say, you know what? I'm going to deal with this. And there's a great deal of security in knowing that we belong to Jesus and that He accepts us. Let me say that again. There is a great deal of security in knowing that Jesus says, you belong to me, you're mine. And He accepts you. I don't know about you, but... There's a little difference for me on how I treat folks than how I treat my family. I'll put it to you this way any mama bears out there? Or grandma bears? Okay. Mess with your kid? <sighs> right? Okay. She, she's not in here right now, but my wife, mama bear. Am I right, son? Ooh, ooh. She's from the South, okay? She's from the South. And literally the neck turns red. (laughs) When it's mama bear time. You mess with her, ooh, you'd mess with her bear cub and it, didn't matter how many times I would pat her on the lap and say, honey, honey, you're going to kill somebody. Honey, <laughs> honey, no. Put the gun away. No, no, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. What it is, because as far as she was concerned, okay, that, he's mine. You don't mess with my bear cub. Oh. You don't, <laughs> and I'm the same way. I'm the same way, and he's 23 years old, but there's this instinct within me that's just like, oh, no, 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 you, you don't mess with my family. Now, multiply that exponentially. You belong to Jesus. And when the enemy tries to mess with you, the enemy is reminded, no, she belongs to me she's mine. Don't mess with my kids. You belong to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Here's the last thing I want to give you here. And I've got the wrong word up there, Tammy, and I I apologize for that. Uh, There's an exhortation. So pretend the word dedication is not up there because I'm really ticked off right now because that's up there and I messed up. So, exhortation never watch college football when you're trying to do your graphics for your <laughs> sermon especially when your team's playing okay because I could tell you this is exactly when the Illini won yesterday so here we go there's an exhortation that Jesus gives and I think I think this is for all of us here so those of you who like to take pictures of my points on your camera phones here we go okay look at verses two and three this is Jesus message to the whole church He says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Now take a look at verse 3. Remember therefore what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Let me break this down for all of us in just four easy words. Number one, revive, wake up. I think Jesus' message to the church is this, it's time to wake up. Wake up. Again, I said this before, I'm going to say it again, the church has been lulled to sleep by the comfort of its past. And it's time for the church to wake up. We covered this in our Wednesday night Bible study, I think this past Wednesday, where the message will always remain the same. For 2,000 plus years, the message has stayed the same. Jesus died for your sins. He rose from the dead. He is the only one to do so. He is the only way to salvation. There is no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. The message always remains the same, but our methods will change, and the things that we do, and the creative ways that we proclaim Jesus, that's going to change from year to year, from decade to decade, from time to time, even from event to event. Can you imagine, folks, the way, like we did it 14 years ago? Some of you weren't around. You know what we did? We just opened the doors and said, y'all come in. Can't do that now. Now we got to do online registration. And we have shifts of 25 people that we're going to sign up every single hour. We've had to streamline this thing. Why? Because we want to do things better for the Lord. So what we haven't held on to, well, this is the way we've always done it. So we're going to keep on doing it because we know that the methods are just as sacred as the message. Hallelujah. No. Jesus says, "Wake up." Wake up. Let, let's not be lulled asleep by what we did in the past and how we did things in the past, but I think Jesus wants us to wake up to the culture that's around us and realize that there is a hurting world that needs Jesus desperately, and the church has, can you say amen? So let's quit allowing junk to come into our lives and just fester there. Jesus says, wake up, revive. Secondly, he says, revitalize. He says, "Strengthen what is alive, and remain." Now, this is where a lot of people in the church get frustrated because you'll hear a sermon that kind of challenges you spiritually, and you know what happens? You, you, all of a sudden, you say, "Oh man, now I got to do all this new stuff. I got got to fast for ninety days. I got I, I got to go to like Kenya and 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 find." pig to preach to and eat tree bark and bugs for the rest of my life. And that's the only way that I, and, and, and no, that's not what Jesus is saying. In fact, Jesus is saying, you know, I'm not telling you to do anything new. He said, what you're currently doing, strengthen it. Strengthen what's alive and remains. So if your prayer life is not so good, Jesus says, okay, just strengthen it. Don't reinvent the wheel, just strengthen it. If your time in God's word is inconsistent, Jesus says, strengthen it. Don't try to reinvent things. Strengthen what is alive. Strengthen what remains in your life. I think that is where a lot of Christians get so frustrated because they try to reinvent the wheel and then they get frustrated because they're not really good at reinventing wheels. And Jesus is saying, stop doing that and just just strengthen what you got. Thirdly, the word remember. He says, remember what you've received and heard. Remember what you've received and heard. Every message you've heard, every teaching you've got, every experience that you've had. Hear this. God will never waste one of your experiences. God will never waste one of your experiences. Why am I going through this? I don't know, but God's not going to waste it. Man, I'm, I'm sick. I don't feel good. I'm going through problems in my family. And Jesus says, okay, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. I've been through some difficult stuff. Jesus says, I'm going to use that too. Could it be that the trouble you've had in your marriage that God has healed up, God can use that now so that you can encourage another couple going through the same thing? Could it be that the sickness that you're going through, where maybe you've even had to be hospitalized, and then you're talking to somebody who has to go to the hospital who has no idea what to expect, and God says, I'm going to use your experience to speak into their life? That's what He does. That's what He does. There are parts of my life that none of you would be able to relate to because it's so specific and so unique to me. But then there's that one person that has a similar experience. And I could say, I truly have been there. And I know how to pray for you. Remember what you've seen. Remember what you've heard. Remember what you experienced. Please don't think that you have to forget every bad thing that's happened to you. It could be that God wants to use you in the midst of that pain. And then finally, it's this word here repent. Repent. Change. Make the change. Be willing to make the necessary changes to your life that you need to make. My fear as a pastor is that sometimes I preach something and it's lost before you hit the parking lot. And if God's talking to you about something, if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about something, don't let that go. Make the change. Maybe you do need to pray more. Maybe you do need to spend time on God's Word more. Maybe you need to let go of some sin in your life. Maybe you need to ask God to forgive you, and you need to make some serious changes in your life. Maybe every time you go to a certain place, you sin. Maybe every time you're around a certain person, you compromise. And you might say, you know what? Something's got to change here, God, and the Lord will help you with that. And I, I'm convinced of this. Everything that God asks you to give up, actually tells you to give up, he'll replace it with something better. It's not about what you lose. It's about what you really gain. That's what repentance is. It's making the change. Jesus identified the walking dead. He looked at a whole church and he said, you've got a reputation for being alive. Jonathan, if you could help me. You've got a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. And my prayer is that God would help us to put in sync our reputation and our reality. May we never have to apologize on Sunday for how we live Monday through Saturday. And to the whole church, I think God says, you know what? I got something new for you. I got something new to do in you and through you. Don't hold on to the past that you forget that I have a great future for you. I think that's God's message to us. Would you stand with me? I want us to pray. And I know we've got a time of fellowship, so maybe some of you can already smell the fried chicken. That's a nightmare to us preachers when that happens. But I think the Lord is speaking to some people here. And I think it'd be wrong just to say goodbye. Without at least addressing this with God. So, whatever God is saying to you, I want us to commit that to prayer today. And if God's directing you to make a change, if God's directing you to allow your reputation to be your reality, then let's pray about that today. Okay, so would you bow your heads with me? And before I go any further, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, there's anybody here, you're not right with Jesus. Uh, you're far from him. You're not living for him. And you need to make a decision today to make him your Lord and your Savior. Today's the day. And I will not embarrass you, but so that I know whom to pray for. If you're here today and you need Jesus to forgive you of your sins, if you need to give your life completely to him, And you want to do that today. I want to know who I need to pray for. If that's you, could you just slip your hand and put it right back down. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, I need Jesus to forgive me of all my sins. I need to give my life completely to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Then I trust that we're speaking to people that are right with God. And so why don't you pray with me. As we say, Lord, bless our church and bless us. God, we lift up every person that's here in this room. Lord Jesus, I pray that the way we conduct ourselves outside of your house would be consistent with how we live inside your house. God, I pray that there would be no on-off switch when it comes to our relationship with you. So Lord, may we live for you consistently. Lord, God forbid that we are a church that has a great reputation, but there's deadness inside. So I ask you, Lord God, that you would help us to make our reputation and our reality to be in sync. Lord God, I ask you as well that you would bless our time that we're together, uh, bless the food that we're about to partake of, And uh, I pray that this would be a great time of fellowship where we love and encourage one another. And Lord, I'll thank you. And it's in your name we pray. And God's people said amen. Amen Amen. and amen. We love you.